0: Welcome to The Community Podcast, brought to you by The Community Paper. Since 1989, The Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and The Paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. This
1: is episode 14. How's it How's it going?
0: It's going great. Our We're
1: recording in the morning for, I think, the first time. Yeah, we usually recording drinking afternoon.
0: coffee. Yeah, thank it's you. A whole Nick. different vibe. Definitely, um, our July edition is out in circulation right now, and it is jam packed full of just great news and great stories. I say this every month, but um, this is a super great edition. They get well, better there was better. a lot
1: of news happening, so it was easy to find stuff to write about this month definitely
0: Um, and I loved your column I love that you and I have this opportunity to kind of share what's on our mind every month and um this month you you spoke about something that's near and dear to your heart
1: yeah I mean it is very uh I am blessed to be able to have that platform where I can just write about whatever's on my mind or whatever's bothering me or whatever and um lat or A month or two ago, the Orlando Sentinel's parent company was bought, and it was bought by a notorious hedge fund who just buys newspapers, and then they lay off their staff looking for a certain profit margin, so having friends who work at the Sentinel, I'm like, and caring about local journalism, I was really bothered to hear that Eldon purchased Tribune, which is like nine papers, so it's the Chicago Tribune, the... What's the one in South Florida, the South Florida Sun Sentinel or something Mm -hmm. like that? And then um, just a bunch, Capital Gazette, um, a bunch of local newspapers. um, And I think like three days after the deal was finalized, Alden started offering voluntary buyouts, which is like a sign of things to come, I think, because almost every time they buy a new paper, they... Layoff staff.
0: I found it interesting when I was reading your column that, you know, when you look at their numbers before the pandemic, they were incredible. And then, of course, throughout the pandemic, they, you know, they were down just like most every other business. Um, But most businesses did everything they could to keep their employees um, on staff or, you know, at least could bring them back. And I mean, that was like a huge mission for them they wanted to keep their employees um employed and but that's not the case with alden
1: yeah i mean during the pandemic the sentinel lost their office building that they'd been in for decades i think like 50 years or something and um they had to start working from home and like it's not like layoffs weren't happening before Mm -hmm. under uh tribune publishing but um I'm scared that it's going to be more frequent as the merger gets more finalized and buyouts are announced. I think um I think four or five people took the buyouts including one editor. Um so I mean already the newsroom is smaller and I just think it's important for a local daily newspaper to like i mean they have that role that is like the watchdog Mm -hmm. um so i mean the headline was local watchdog journalism in crisis because i really think it is sadly but um i am advocating for new ownership i think a bunch of rich people in orlando should team up and buy it from alden because alden's looking to make money they're not looking to make journalism stronger. That's not their goal. I mean, they, the hedge fund owner's whole thing was he looked at the balance sheet of a paper like 20 years ago and was like, they're not doing it right. Or 10 years ago and started buying up papers and doing his philosophy of it has to have this profit margin. I mean, the Sentinel was still making money or I, I didn't have Sentinel specific numbers, but Tribune Publishing was making money. And in 2018, they had like hundreds of million dollars in revenue or income revenue minus expenses. So they had a profit of hundreds of million dollars and the revenue was like a trillion something. So, I mean, wow. it's not like they're a dying company. I mean, people still advertise in the paper. People still subscribe, subscribe. Mhm. So,
0: yeah, it's a shame. We'll have to watch this closely and, and see how everything unfolds. But yeah, yeah it's a bummer. I um something that was on my heart to talk about this month was all the new restaurants opening, um, which is super exciting. And I just admire these people so much that are so brave, especially during, you know, they, most of these people started, um, started toward opening the restaurants during the pandemic. And I can't imagine how scary that must've been. And now, you know, you can't, it's hard to get help and, um, and they've just, you go into these places and you see that they put their all into it. And it's so hard opening a restaurant. My husband owns a restaurant and he always says that if Yelp, um, and you know, online reviews, social media, if that was a thing when he opened, he said they might not be in business today because, you know, working through those opening glitches, um, trying to figure it out and, Mm -hmm. you know, you can do all the planning in the world, but once it comes to, the execution you know there's they're going to be hiccups it's human human beings are working there and um and so i just i hope that people will try these new restaurants out and if they're not quite perfect on their first visit i hope that they would just you know tell the manager or um just kind of keep quiet and give them another try because so often the first couple weeks or a month you know it's it, things could maybe be better but they that's when they're figuring it all out so I um, I hope they all do well because they are they look incredible. The Pinery and um, Avenue Village looks amazing. I haven't been able to go there yet. You went there, and you've also been able to go to the Monroe, which is down mm-hmm. on the first floor of the Julian and Creative Village, and then the 808.
1: I haven't been to 808 yet.
0: Yeah, but, it um, looks so good. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I just really admire the hard work that goes into opening a restaurant and running it, and, you know, I don't know if many people know this or not, but the – Average profit margin on a restaurant on a full service restaurant is only 6.2 percent. So throw in you know a hurricane or mm-hmm. a pandemic, and um, you know that can shrink up very quickly. So it's it, a
1: huge leap of faith.
0: It really is. Mm-hmm. So um, hope people will read that and and take it to heart and try out some of the new restaurants that that have been opening up. Because can you imagine our our city without? All the cool restaurants we have.
1: I know. I I think of all the... I mean, there's chains everywhere. And I'm like, I just hope that this place doesn't get replaced by a chain or this place doesn't get turned into a Red Lobster. It's because we have so many unique places that I think makes Orlando special.
0: And, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um,
0: so eat local.
1: Yeah. And each month in Cummings and Growings, we announce newly opened businesses. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot in downtown there were yeah this month that that hotel um home garden i think it's called or it's like hilton garden inn and home garden suites it's like a dual hotel but um they opened up and they have a starbucks in the bottom um bottom floor and i think they're opening a restaurant in there too but it's not open yet and then um camden lake eola you know that apartment complex that was like recently finished um they have a bunch of retail on the first floor, mm-hmm. and three businesses opened or, or moved into there just last month. So
0: That's awesome.
1: It's great to see all these new businesses opening and moving around. And
0: Yeah. What else is going on downtown?
1: Well, um, big news from city council is the scooters. Um, at first, at the most recent city council meeting, they did a... So, ordinance have to ordinances have to be read twice at city council they have the first reading and then the second reading at the next one until it's uh final so at the last city council meeting the scooter ordinance went through first reading um and the ordinance says that so right now they're on a pilot program the scooters right so um it was originally supposed to end in like december 2020 or something like that and the pandemic like they wanted to see how successful it would be so when the pandemic came it sort of ruined like their metrics and like how they were going to determine whether it's a good thing for Orlando or not sure um, so they extended it until July and now they're going to extend the pilot program one more time until January okay um and well that's if it Goes through second reading at the next city council meeting. Gotcha. Last vote was six to one with Commissioner Sheehan being the lone no vote. Um, so if yeah, it goes, she's
0: right down there in the in the heart of the scooter usage mm-hmm. part of town. So she must see some. Yeah, negative they're mostly checks. in her district. Yeah,
1: her and Commissioner Hill. Um, but uh, yeah, she she doesn't like them. She her she gets uh, complaints from. Her constituents talking about how they're in the sidewalk. And that's that's the big um, point of contention is they call it rebalancing scooters where the people who work for the scooter companies come by in their van and pick them up if they're in like, I mean, scooters get left anywhere because you can just.
0: Literally anywhere. Yeah,
1: there's no dock right. for the scooter. So you can drop them off wherever you're headed, which is convenient. But it's also like it could be left in a. Um, wheelchair ramp or right, uh, no parking zone or
0: are they heavy? You you've used them before. I've never ridden on they're, one. I mean, they're like about for the, someone to move if it's in the like way.
1: How much a bike weighs? Oh, so, okay. I mean, they're not.
0: But if someone handicap. was handicapped, then that would be a problem. Yeah, for that's
1: them. that's a big thing is them being left in the middle of the street. And even if you're just riding a bike, even if you're not handicapped, if you're riding a bike and you're on the sidewalk, oh, true. And then there's a scooter there. You have to go out onto the road or whatever. Um,
0: God, that seems like such a daunting task. Well, being the corralling the loose scooters.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I when I was in when, when I was going to UCF a few years ago, um, lime bikes came to the campus for the first time hmm. and I was a reporter for the uh uh student newspaper there and I was—I did a story on the I called it the Lime bike wranglers the people who go and pick up all the bikes put them in the van and rebalance them so I like and now I see it with scooters yeah so it's interesting but um so the If this goes through second reading, it'll be extended until either January or until the city, um, I'm not sure how to phrase it, until they uh, choose a request for proposal. proposal. So they're going to be accepting requests for proposal.
0: Oh, to choose the the vendors that they decide to go with.
1: So Yeah, so it'll either go until January or or until they accept a request for proposal, I guess is the way to put it. Gotcha. Um, And they said that they're going to do... Um, up to three companies because in the January meeting when they originally extended it six months uh, Mayor Dyer was saying we're probably not going to have as many companies because that way you can that way the city can um, evaluate
0: who's doing their job yeah yeah. so
1: it's not like I don't have to they don't have to look at five different companies and be like what scooter was it like so they have a right now they have a online portal where you can report improperly parked scooters and i'm sure that they're using that to evaluate who's doing good or not because they're gonna choose up to three i don't know if they're gonna choose three two or one okay but um yeah
0: cool can't wait to see what happens what else
1: is going on downtown um oh i did a story on the philanth philanthropy side philanthropic side of Orlando's soccer scene. So that was a mouthful philanthropic. Um, so like the Orlando city soccer club has a foundation. Um, so I talked to Kay Rollins about what they do and, um, what they're up to. And that was really interesting. But, um, something I found, um, really cool is the supporters clubs also doing philanthropy. So they, the, um,
0: those are the people who are in the end zones cheering loudly and
1: mm-hmm. so the there's two big supporters clubs for the for orlando city it's the ruckus is one of them
0: which is such a fitting name it's a great name if you've ever seen them at the game
1: yeah it's hilarious. it's uh so the wall is where they all hang out yeah um and so like one section of the stadium there's no seats so like they just stand up the whole time and sing and they have smoke bombs and i mean if you've ever been to orlando city game it is a unique experience but um so yeah the ruckus and iron line firm um they both give back to the community in their own ways too um so i was talking to kay and she's like yeah we we feel this responsibility to give back to the community because they built a soccer stadium in paramore and they feel like they should be good stewards of the land and give back to the community surrounding them um so she talked about the uh, mini pitches they have been doing in the gardens and all the cool stuff they're doing. Um, you could read more about it. But um, the supporters groups also. Um,
0: Don't they get, donate money? They raise money? Well, they money?
1: donate. They raise money. Each, every tailgate, they raise money. Um, they hold galas. They uh, When they do watch parties, they hold raffles where they raise money. They partner with Broken Strings Brewery where you can buy a cup from the ruckus. And it's like a 24-ounce cup, and then you can go to the brewery. The brewery is right there on Church Street, like next to the stadium. Okay. Um, so you can buy the cup and get discounted prices. It's um, awesome. And, I mean, they just do a lot. And they, the person I was talking to, Carla, with the Ruckus, they have their own branch called Ruckus Cares, which is a 501c3 where they use Love to that. raise money. And uh, she was saying that they kind of uh, – mirror the orlando city foundation's giving so each year they choose two organizations to um, donate to and they give five thousand dollars to one five thousand dollars to the other and they usually do they mirror what um, the orlando city foundation is doing Um, and then the rest of the money they usually raise more than ten thousand, and the rest goes straight to the foundation so it's cool to see the foundation working with the supporters groups and the supporters groups like looking to give back.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Orlando City has been so great for our city um, pride as well. I, I'm a wish grantor for Make-A-Wish and they, um, we one time had a a child who was a huge soccer fan and it was back when Kaka was playing mm-hmm. and he, we knew he was a huge fan and so we reached out to get just one of those scarf signed or just something and so Kaka wanted to to give him that but to bring it to him in person and so he came to the house and um it was just amazing and then the pride several of the pride players as well they kind of befriended the family and invited him to games his name was zane and it was just really neat to see because the pride um players you know they move here and they don't have family and so they they when they get involved with the family like zane's family they they, the family ended up inviting them over for holidays, Thanksgiving. And so it was really cool to see yeah. that relationship growing. And um, I, I just, I love that Orlando City and Pride, they really do put their, um, what's, they walk the walk or walk the mm-hmm. talk, whatever. Um, yeah, it's really, it's great to see.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I didn't even touch on in my article is the players too. Mm-hmm. They give back and I mean.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Especially the superstars that have all their big fans like Nani and Kaka. It's like they have so many fans and it means so much to these kids yep. to uh meet them in person.
0: So. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Um also downtown they held fireworks at the fountain on July fourth.
0: And you went to that?
1: I did. Um it was huge. I think there were the I asked the city how many people and they said they estimated hundred and fifty thousand people wow. at the lake. Um, wow So they didn't hold it last year for obvious reasons Could mm-hmm. you imagine um, 150,000 150, people um, But Now that we're doing better They were able to hold it And um, I think people were Very happy to be able to get back out And um, It was a beautiful Ceremony What do you call it? Fireworks celebration Fireworks Display sh- Display. That's the word I was looking <laughs> for Yeah, thank you Um And then the day after I did something also that I thought was super cool was the next day they held a cleanup because, I mean, 150,000 people leaves a wake of trash and all that. And um, Keep Orlando Beautiful held a uh, cleanup the day after on the 5th of July.
0: I love that. Was it a big mess?
1: It was a big mess. So, I mean, the idea was that, um, I mean, the city obviously have people that clean up trash. So even before the volunteers came out the city went through and picked up all the big stuff like all the fireworks and Mm -hmm. the um the huge like I don't know takeout containers and all that because I mean I'm sure it was a lot I didn't get there and I didn't stay late or get there early in the morning but um when I got there there was still trash and um I think like a dozen or two dozen volunteers came out and they all had their bags and keep Orlando beautiful. Um, They hold these sort of cleanup events and um, they do electronic and textile recycling and things like that. They do a lot around the community and um, they provided uh, the trash bags and um, vests and the, what do you call it? The claws
0: Yeah, the trash grabbers or whatever. Trash grabbers.
1: Cool. Well, kudos to
0: you for going out there. And you brought your girlfriend too, Logan, right? I did. You guys um, were
1: so good. It was a little self-serving. I wanted to tell the story, but, I mean, it was still fun. And um, I got a big old bag of trash and talked to some people that were out there. Um, A lot of people brought their kids, which was good to see because it's like show them early. Um, Because they were – it's funny, one of the kids – was like mommy did you do something wrong like because <laughs> they were picking up trash in the vests oh that's so cause funny because they see all the they always see the inmates doing it right. so it's i thought it was funny oh my
0: but, gosh uh... that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was it was
1: cool to see like maybe that'll stick in them and they'll, yeah it, definitely. even if it doesn't it's like showing that i mean all these you can't just leave trash around because somebody has to pick it up eventually um and uh it was it was good
0: I think all across the country, the city, the state, everyone is so ready to get back to having fun and doing things. I just watching all of the fireworks um, celebrations all over the country. It was you could tell it was just really special this year. It was a special Fourth of July. Yeah, for yeah. sure. They're um, speaking of events. There's some um, some exciting news coming in College Park. They the Jazz Fest. College Park Jazz Fest is such a hugely popular event. It's been going on in College Park for years. And the College Park Main Street Program closes down Edgewater Drive. And they have several bands, several stages. Um, People just come out in the street and listen to music and dance. And obviously, last year, it was canceled because of COVID. And also, their Spring Fest, which is a similar dance um, kind of street party, was canceled. So they are having it again on November 13th and they're expanding the footprint of it because they're expecting that people are going to come out in droves, you know, cause again, everybody's ready to have fun. Um, so anyway, so that's super exciting. So that's going to be on November 13th. In Is downtown it usually College in November Park. Or
1: did they move it back? They, well,
0: it's sometimes in October and then sometimes like the first weekend in November. Okay. Um, and I know I, I was in charge of planning jazz fest a couple of years and trying to schedule it around the, the Florida Gators football, schedule and so it's it's interesting how you everything have to take into consideration Mm -hmm. and it's such a huge time for events in Orlando so they try to you know not have it on the same night as some other big event.
1: Yeah you and I were talking about that at the office the other day that there doesn't seem to be as many events in the summer and then in the fall they all start coming all at once because I guess the weather. um,
0: The weather and less people are on vacation and mm -hmm. um I don't know if you've noticed but i'm driving into town on i-4 it's just dead right now everybody's on vacation this in the summer and Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's going to be super exciting you
1: said they're expanding
0: yeah they're expanding down um a little bit farther down edgewater drive past the gas station normally they stop it um before the gas station so sunoco Mm -hmm. so they're going further down and Um, For
1: people not familiar with Jazz Fest, they close down the streets and... They close down
0: the street. You can buy tables to attend. Um, A lot of people will buy. They have these big round tables for 10 and Mm -hmm. um so people will purchase that and then their friends or their business whatever will sit together and decorate the tables they in the past they've always had a table decorating contest which is really fun Mm -hmm. so i'm not sure if they're doing that this year um but you don't have to buy a table you can just um bring your lawn chairs and just hang out they do sell tickets um they for like a donation to help cover the event um and it's usually very affordable so yeah so you can just show up and um Make your donation, bring your lawn chair. And they have food vendors and a lot of the local restaurants set up bars, you know, in the street, on the sidewalks. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's it's a super, super fun night. Um, Can't wait. Something else that's finally happening again, um, which many people might not be involved with this, but the people who are, it's very important to them. It's the Rotary Club in College Park. They, um, they meet every Thursday morning at 730 at Street. Um, and they have been on hold for 16 months. And so oh, they man. just had their first in-person meeting this month. So I know that everyone involved with that is, is super excited. And, you know, it's such a great, they do such great things. They have the Imagination Library. And um, we wrote about this in this paper. They send books to children um, in the mail so it parents can sign up for this program and and they also do it not just in college park but like um downtown the downtown area and mm-hmm. orwin manor and kind of all around and um yeah it's cool to get kids excited about reading it's it's through the dolly parton imagination oh yeah Library. Um, she started it and so yeah it's pretty cool so they a lot of their events um go to fund that as well as other charity charities that they mm-hmm. sponsor so yeah and there's great.
1: there's also a rotary club of orlando which is separate yes. right it,
0: yep there is and they meet downtown and um, a lot of great networking for business people and um so anyway Rotary's great they've been around for a super long time um also in college park this is unusual um college park united methodist church has its first female pastor Meryl Fraley. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, she was sent to facilitate closing down the church. Um, the church had been essentially dying for years. And when she got there, there were only 25 people in attendance at the church service mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning, which it's a pretty big church. And so that had to be super depressing. And um, anyway, so she, kept, she was sent there to close it down. And everyone loved her so much that people started telling their friends and showing up. And all of a sudden attendance was up significantly. And she convinced, um, the powers that be that, you know, maybe this isn't a dying church that maybe they just needed the right leader. Mm -hmm. So she's great. I've, I don't know if you've ever met her, but, um, she's pretty dynamic and, She's doing a great job there. So they went from you know twenty five people there when she first started, and then before the pandemic started, there were like one hundred and eighty people wow. um, coming to church. And her when she first came, she they have the um, the marquee in front of the church where they they put little sayings like we saw yesterday a Ted Lasso quote, yeah. which was awesome. What was the quote? It again? was be curious, not judgmental. Yeah, great. great. My favorite Ted Lasso quote, um, but it said we're not the dead church on the corner anymore. Come on in. And so I, she's put some pretty bold statements out there, and mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's working out well. So, she's she's great. So it was fun to, to tell her story. And then this w- month. the
1: news is that she was reappointed, right? She so was she, reappointed. She came in 2016 on like a five year plan or whatever, and then they reappointed her for another five years. Or
0: you know, I'm not sure of the exact time. Um, allotment but I, I'll tell but she you she was reappointed she was reappointed and I will went so I used to work there at the Methodist Church I was the children's director there for five years and during that five year span I worked under three different pastors
1: uh, in, fi- in five in yeah. five years yeah wow
0: one was kind of on his way out when I started and then there was another one and then he got moved and then another one and then he got moved. Did they use it
1: as a stepping stone or like?
0: Sometimes, sometimes um, if a, a pastor is super awesome, they'll move them to another church to help mm. grow another church. Um, but then sometimes it just isn't working out. So they'll move them. So there there can be a lot of um, fluctuation and, you know, leadership At least at that one, at that Methodist church, there has been. So Mm -hmm. the fact that she's, you know, been there for five years and she's going to stay is is pretty significant. So, yeah, so it's exciting. It's been fun to watch them get more involved with the community. They have, um, well, they did before COVID, had food truck nights. And, um, you know, they're just really into giving back. And so, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. What about South Downtown?
1: Well, South Downtown, um, there's... Uh, activity going on at the grand avenue park they just renovated mm-hmm. it um and grand avenue is like just south of griffin park um so it's sort of west of a little bit west of i4 and south of the 408 um, is that
0: where the grand avenue school
1: yeah so the grand avenue course. school um is being repurposed also um, love that So they're turning it into a neighborhood center with a gym, and um, they're moving the pottery studio there. Okay. Um, So the pottery studio right now is in Paramore at the Downtown Recreation Complex Mm -hmm. over there in Creative Village. And they're moving it to Grand Avenue. It's going to be the Grand Avenue Neighborhood Center, which is is being built in the old school, which is like almost 100 years old. It's really... Um, historic building. So I love that when they repurpose buildings. Um, And it's the pottery studios expanding in there. Um, So that's great. Um, And then there was a park that they remodeled. So the Grand Avenue Park was remodeled and they added playgrounds and fitness equipment and they just finished that. Um, They held a little ceremony where Buddy Dyer and Bakari Burns uh, planted a tree, and so it's officially open now, and um, the Neighborhood Center is nearing completion, and um, our amazing copy editor, Teresa, um, pointed out that it's Grand Avenue Park and Grand Avenue Neighborhood Center, but it's on Grand Street, and she was like, she was like, what's up with that? So she like as a copy editor she has to fact check and make sure that everything's right and um she was like so in 1960 whatever they renamed all the streets that are going east and west into avenues and everything that went north and south into streets so they ah. changed grand avenue to grand street but the school stayed the same as grand avenue school in grand avenue park so it's it's funny that's so funny <laughs> that
0: was, <laughs> and leave it up to teresa to find that out i know i she's was like great.
1: wow i didn't even notice that she did that and i was she'd put a little editor's note at the bottom like what a what a legend she's a great copy editor
0: yeah she is we're lucky to have her
1: we are um so that's what's going on in south downtown but other than that the uh, one pulse foundation awarded a second batch of scholarships so they have a um, legacy scholarship that um, they did the first batch in uh, spring for the summer semesters, and now they're doing another batch for uh, the fall semesters, and they awarded it to... in the first batch was really cool. They, um, they sought out recipients who were studying things that the um, Pulse victims were. So, like, some of the Pulse victims were nurses or... Um,
0: like trying to be firefighters yeah. or
1: whatever, so they found applicants that had similar interest as the victims and so awarded great. scholarships to those people. And then in the second, well, that was like three hundred something thousand dollars in the first batch. So in the second batch, it was two hundred twenty thousand or something around there, and they um, forty nine recipients again, and five of them were family members. Of the victims.
0: That's awesome.
1: So I just love what they're doing. And how they're tailoring their scholarship recipients. To honor the victims. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: That's great.
1: And then also in national news. The Pulse Nightclub Memorial. Was designated as a national memorial.
0: Yeah. And several. um, The Pulse
1: Nightclub site was dedicated as a national memorial. And
0: several of the folks in the. The One Pulse Foundation got to go to the White House and um, witness the signing by President Biden. So that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: And I was interested in what that actually meant. Like, what does it mean to be a national? I think that's the only national memorial. And wouldn't that be the only one in Orlando? I don't know of any. I think so. Yeah. So I was curious in what that actually meant. So our writer, Logan, is looking into that of, like, do they get federal funds each year? Is it, I mean, just protected from development? Or, like, I'm wondering what what that actually means. So look forward to getting an explainer on that. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But, yeah, so that's basically what's going on in South Downtown.
0: Well, in uh, North Downtown, the... um... Ivanhoe. do you know the the building in Ivanhoe village that's the big the old big um OUC building Mm -hmm. I don't know so you didn't live here but it's it's a huge building and it used to be a power plant
1: it's right there on orange and Ivanhoe
0: right and overlooking the lake and um it was built in the 20s so it's almost 100 years old and um it was a power plant at one point and then Over the years, it's, you know, been different things. It's been closed down. Um, In the 50s, it was closed down for environmental concerns, and then it opened back up again as a community center. Eventually, um, it became home to the Orlando Ballet and to Central Florida Community Arts. But then in 2013, they had to move out of there because of mold issues. So Mm. all of that's been remediated, and... Now, the city has put out an RFP to real estate brokers.
1: Or OUC has.
0: I'm sorry. Yes. They have put out an RFP RFP to real estate brokers to kind of, what do you think we could sell this for? And, um, you know, so they can choose someone to help them sell that property. So I can, I'm just dying to see what happens. So that there. means
1: that they're not going to tear it down. They're going to repurpose right. it. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. My understanding. Yeah. So, so, so cool. It's a huge space. It's huge. It takes up like, blocks
0: yeah it's amazing so and it's beautiful i just it's I, a nice building yeah they, i love when they can reuse these old i buildings. know i wonder
1: i can't wait to see what it's going to turn into yeah so real estate so they're doing a request for proposal for a commercial real estate broker, broker to, to give them
0: an idea about selling the property how much they could get what it could be used for and you then know.
1: from there a developer would purchase the property from the real estate broker
0: well I mean they would facilitate the deal okay for the on behalf of Interesting. so yeah can't wait to see I know same and so um you know so much of that area is so old and now approaching its hundredth year anniversary um the Orlando Museum of Art will be 100 in 2024 Mm -hmm. and so they're planning this huge relaunch for that anniversary um and they're looking to expand into downtown Orlando and there's it's not a done deal yet but they are in in negotiations with a um 33 story tower the tower is supposed to be a mix of you know residential commercial there's a hotel there's um, and be a hotel. A hotel in and yeah, so it's, mm-hmm. it's a pretty huge project. So. Um, so, yeah, they're looking to move down there and they are having um, starting next year in January. They're having some pretty incredible exhibits. There's a Jackson Pollock um, piece that's never been seen um, that was done in 1949. So they're going to be unveiling that painting for the first time ever. That's um, going
1: to be at the hundred year celebration. No, that's going to be
0: in January of twenty two. Oh, so okay. at the at this original, um, the original museum here, um, so and there's just so many great um, exhibits coming, and so that's we kind did of exciting. a we did
1: a CP interview with the new director, Aaron DeGraff. Yes, he um, moved here from Virginia. Yeah, and he, I'm, um, I mean, he was sort of put right into it. It's like um, he's now looking into uh, how they're going to celebrate the 100th year and now expanding downtown so
0: yeah that has to be exciting for him so we're about out of time um but i we can't end without talking about the new principal at edgewater high school um you you interviewed her for this month's cp interview and for me personally it kind of it hits close to home my kids all went to edgewater and they had a great experience there um Mark Shanoff was the principal before Heather Kreider. Heather thank you um and he was amazing and she has big shoes to fill but it sounds like she's up for the challenge
1: yeah so um I interviewed her at the school um and this was like maybe a week after she started so she was like just getting settled in and everything um during the summer um so she came from Evans High School as an assistant principal. Um, and I was talking to her about her childhood and everything. And they hopped around a lot because um, her father was in the Coast Guard. And um, they eventually ended up in Orlando. Um, and her mother taught at Lake Silver, actually.
0: Yeah, she was there when my kids were there. Um, Mrs. Haas was her name. And I remember her.
1: Wow, really? Yeah. Small world. Yeah. Or small town. But um, so her mother was teaching at lake silver while uh principal Kreider was um attending ucf Um, so she got her uh, and she's now working on a doctorate at ucf and um now she's principal of edgewater and walking in i was like man this must be intimidating because walking through on on the way to her office there's like a portrait of every past principal and it was like walking through the Hall of Presidents or something. I, was, I walked and I was like, is that intimidating for you? And she's like, yeah, a little bit. I guess my picture's going to be up there soon. And I was like, yeah, I think so. Isn't that neat? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, I was talking to her about shoes to fill. And she's uh, coming after Dr. Shanoff, who was very successful in was great academic wise and the edgewater football team and everything is in a great place Um, and she was saying that um, she's not looking to change anything she just wants to sort of follow in his footsteps and continue the great work that edgewater's been doing
0: yeah the school's really going in the right direction so Mm -hmm. that's good well good I can't wait to meet her yeah
1: and you can read the full interview online and in the paper Um, but yeah she's great I think she'll be great for the edgewater community
0: well for everyone listening please be sure to download our podcast you can get catch it on apple podcasts on spotify and and download it so every time we have a new one it'll pop up in your feed and we will talk to you soon see you thank you for listening to the community podcast did you like what you heard subscribe wherever you get your podcast and tell your friends and family to do the same Stay up to date on the latest news from the community paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Jorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting Orlando Podcasting.com.
1: They seeked out students. Thank you. They sought out. <laughs> Seeked really isn't a word? It seems like it should. Seeked. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Can I just? No, let's just go. Um, They sought out. (laughs) Thanks, editor-in-chief.